Hey everybody, we got a great episode for you coming up. We got a TACP FTU student. He's graduated by now by the time you're watching this, but it's a great episode. Aaron was able to jump in there with him and knock it out. Uh, really hope you enjoy it. But before that, make sure you check out eberlystock.com. Get yourself some good kit. Our promo code for that is OR10. That's OR10. Check them out though. They've got tech apparel. They've got bags. They got bags for traveling, hunting, military, law enforcement, whatever you need, they can get you sorted. Um, also, if you are going to prep for the pipeline, uh, whether that's TACP, PJ, CCT, SR, or, you know, anything really, check out 18alphafitness.com. Use our code one ready. It is the number one ready. And Kevin's got a bunch of programs that are tailored to you. He's not just giving you workouts and saying, hey, go out and go do it, and then never touching base with you or anything like that. Like He knows your timeline, he knows what your goals are, and he knows what pipeline you're going for. So he's going to help develop a plan for you to get you where you need to be in that time allotted. And then lastly, I know I'm hitting with you a lot here, check out drinkhoist.com. They've got IV level hydration for you, whether it's ready to drink in pouches, so you mix it in with air, with some water, or they even have a new release that are these little like flimsy kind of pouches that are able to stuff in a pocket and they're still ready to drink, but um, they're not like a hard plastic. They're just kind of soft and can go into pockets really easily. So great flavors, great testing. They've been friends of ours for quite some time. So. You know, we love promoting them and, and also our promo code for that is OneDreddy. So please check them out and then like, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff, you know, that you hear from every single YouTuber that's out there. And then more importantly, enjoy the show, really. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. I know this is going to come as quite a shock to everybody that actually likes the other personalities better than me, but too bad. It's me and I got a special guest for you this week. We got a, a TACP NCO just about to graduate phase two, the TACP FTU. So getting out there, getting the JTAC qual and has fresh experience from the pipeline. So before we hop into this sweet and juicy episode of the podcast, just want to say thanks for everybody that follows us, that that checks on the Instagram account, that leaves comments or questions. Check out the Discord. Check us out at onesready.com. We got reading lists and everything that you need to be successful in Aspect War. But enough yapping from me. Hey, my friend, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. There you are. You're out in Vegas. You're living the dream. You're so close. You know, at the time of the recording, you're never supposed to tell anybody when you record these things because we don't know when we're going to release it. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna quick turn this one. But how's it feel? First and foremost, you were a couple days away from realizing your dream. How excited are you right now? It's a great feeling to be honest with you, brother. I think uh, a lot of us feel that way right now. Uh, myself personally, it's been about a three year pipeline for me. I had a couple setbacks, but uh, pushed through them. So now knowing that, hey, man, I just passed the last final thing and now I'm about to get that JTAG patch is, is really something special for me. And, I, and it's it's an awesome feeling. It's kind of like kind of weight taking off. You know, it's nice. Oh, absolutely, man. And I, I feel the the same way as you. I distinctly remember that time at, you know, the last FTX and, you know, the Pararescue Schoolhouse, you got done. You're, you're not graduated yet, but you're done. No more graded events. You're not waking up tomorrow for an eval. I just remember, just like you said, that weight being lifted off your shoulders and just feeling great, man. So kudos to you. It's almost like every day feels like Friday now. <laughs> Bulletproof Friday, yeah. baby. Ain't nobody quitting on Friday. Right. 
So let's take it all the way back to the beginning. You got a, a really interesting story. As I mentioned, you're an NCO that just completed the pipeline, but you started your life out in the army and you were on the part-time side. So walk us, walk us through what you did in the army. Yeah. Sorry. One of the boys no, was trying to call me. That's how they go. You're an NCO. <laughs> you always got guys calling you for something. So uh, yeah, starting from my, my beginning of the story, uh, I was a prior service army guy. Got in when I was 17, uh, very young, and I was the intel guy, all source intel. Um, kind of a fun job. Uh, really wasn't kind of my forte. Didn't really want to lean toward that, but that's that's the only thing mama would sign for at the time. Uh, right. Did my eight years as an intel guy. Uh, decided to get out. I was uh, playing some ball in college, and I kind of just took that route. Uh, and then I uh, did about a year and a half out of the military. And then I decided, you know, hey, it's time for me to get back in. I don't want to waste my time in the Army uh, and all my training that I gathered from that. But at the same time, uh, I don't really want to be back in the Army. Not Nothing wrong about it. It's just uh, I want to try something different. Uh, my aunt, she used to run the Sims for the uh, the JTAC guys, for all the TACPs and everything. And oh, wow. it was like, hey, go check them out, man. They, uh, they like to do the same stuff you like to do. And I was like, all right, cool. Went and sat down with some local guys that I knew that were TACPs. Um, kind of did like a little mock interview, if you would say. They were like, hey, you like to ruck? I was like, yeah, I enjoy rucking. They were like, hey, you like to work out? I was like, I'm a personal trainer, you know, by trade. I, I enjoy working out. So they were like, can you sign here? I was like, yeah, I'll sign. <laughs> but, that's, yeah. That sounds like that's all I need to know. That's, that's all I needed to know. And then um, I, I, I looked around. Uh, the squadron and it was just to me it was like such a brotherhood it was like hey all these guys are working out training together and they, and they want to get some so i was like i want to be a part of that i want something that's going to push me and then uh yeah i got very fortunate to become something like that did a little heart uh, a little part of your army heart die when you when you had to admit that the air force had a really cool job for you and you were about to cross over what was funny was uh Honestly, I didn't know anything about TACP when I first started i was like what do they do what what's going on you know um and then when i joined I was like, I got out of the army to get in the air force to go back and hang out with the army. I was like, oh, I, I, like, so it's, it's, but, but it did, it did work out. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, uh, having that army background, it really helped me. Uh, cause I, I, I know how the army thinks. I know how the S2 thinks, you know? So I'm like, okay, Hey, I, I can correlate with these guys. Um, but I will say, you know, uh, coming from big green to big blue is a very big change. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not so army fired over here and it's, it's pretty nice to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you, it's, it's the, it's, it's almost like being in the military over here on the air force side of the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my, it's almost yeah. like you're a human being, not a number. <laughs> absolutely. So you went through the application process. How did that go for you? Cause cross training, you know, we get questions all the time. Hey, I'm in the army or I'm in the Navy, I'm in the Marines and I want to come over and I want to try out for TACP. So how hard was the actual application process and what hiccups did you hit as you were making that transition? Um, let's see. So, uh, for me, I was out long enough to where I had to go back to MEPS. So I would advise, don't ever do that. Uh, MEPS, MEPS, the, tw the second time is always worse than the first time. Um, and that's just cause I was older, had some injuries and everything, had to go through that. Um, got my MEPS process done, all that good stuff. And, uh, then it was kind of like going through my, uh, I guess you would say like a mini selection with the guys back at the unit. They were like, yo, Hey, you, you've got to meet certain criteria before we're even going to put your packet in to go, you know? Right. So, uh, yep. and, and that was a good thing for me because they hooked me up and made sure I was ready to go. Um, the only hiccups I would say is, uh, mm, to be honest, it was just like understanding the grind. Like, so like, uh, changing over from like, uh, army to air force specifically wasn't really hard for me because I kind of understood the training process and understood, you know, big numbers and what we were going to do. But, uh, 
understanding that this is probably gonna be the longest training process I've ever been through. So it's just like, right. so just knowing that I had to get up every day and just keep working, keep working, keep working. But as far as the transition as a whole, it really wasn't that hard for me. It, it just kind of, I got to keep my, uh, my SEO status from the army, uh, which was very beneficial, Good. which was nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of carried over and worked out pretty well. Yeah. And it is same, same, but different. You know, you had that good experience behind you where, you know, the military is a very specific culture. It's a very specific group of people. And we, we tend to think on the inside that it's this huge thing, right? That, you know, the army is this big beast and that the Marines are this whole different beast in the air force. And then you spend a little bit of time with your sister services and you're like, wait a second. I know it's a little bit of different terminology, but I know this game. Yeah. I know how to play this game. Yeah. I will, I will say though, uh, once the swap kind of happened and like, uh, Fast forward a little bit, I guess, once I was in the schoolhouse, being around some uh, big blue NCOs that were going through the same course as me. Uh, now I'm learning, hey, there's a different way to be an NCO rather than just be Army NCO. Like, hey, let's go. You know, so uh, I, love it. I learned a lot and it, it was very, uh, very uh, heartwarming to, to get that experience. Yeah. Awesome. So take me back to phase one. You show up, you're, you're finally blued up. You're in the air force, you're wearing the uniform and it's got a couple of different letters over that left side on that, uh, on that U S air force tape, as opposed to that U S army tape. So you kind of show up and you're, you're through the shell shock of the transition and, and there you are and, and you get to phase one. What was the hardest part about that initial selection process as you guys are going through phase one of the TACP pipeline? So, uh, phase one, or do you want to go back to where, uh, was called while I was at prep, they call it switch yeah. now, but I was at prep. So sorry. Yep. I skipped over a whole thing. It's like, I've never done a podcast before. No, it's okay. No, no yeah. worries. Uh, so, uh, being prior service, obviously didn't have to go to basic. So I come straight to SWIC. And to be honest, when I first got there, I was, I was a little upset. I was like, man, here I am going to basic training 2.0 as a freaking, uh, eight year NCO. But I had to eat my words very, very fast. And what I mean by that was, uh, prep was the best thing that ever happened to me. I think as far as condition wise, like it was one of the best situations being able to work out three times a day, eat as much food as I wanted to. And just all I had to think about was wake up and, and make sure everything looked good and work out. Sure. And push myself to the best ability. I ended up, uh, I was kind of a hefty boy coming back in, you know, after being in the reserves, um, sure. I lost, uh, 15 pounds at prep, but I was in the best shape of my life, you know, uh, come in at right above 200 left about 185, and. Uh, it was awesome. Their run program is awesome. The uh, the swimming, of course, those tech bees, we don't like, like to swim as much as uh, UPJs and CCTs, but uh, we'll, we'll hang in there, you know, and, and that was actually a really good thing, too. I think it helped as far as like uh, mobility and um, just kind of decompressing, staying off the feet a little bit from the rucks. But uh, that was awesome. That was an awesome experience uh, kind of going through that. And um, yeah, so then fast forward from there, we get done with prep and we go to the schoolhouse and uh yeah, the schoolhouse is, uh, it kind of hits you in the face real fast as far as the, uh, everybody heard of the pits. You go to the pits and um, the pits are just that, you know, you're going to have fun. And if you don't have fun, you're going to you're gonna hate life. So the best advice for that one is just have fun, be loud, and uh, don't be a spotlight ranger and you should make it through, you know? Yeah. And for those of you that aren't that uh, aren't aren't picking up on the the colloquialism, so a spotlight ranger is somebody that only puts out for the instructors, right? Like if you're a spotlight ranger, you're all motivated, you're all hua, you're all excited, but it's only when the instructors are around. So so that's what we mean. I do want to plug into something though. You talked about your time at SWIC and you had previous experience in the fitness industry and as a trainer. We had the coaches on, they talked through everything with the, you know, the, the strength and conditioning program, and you already hit on the run program. How prepared did you feel when you left SWIC? Now, obviously, you don't know what's coming, right? You don't know what it's going to be like when you get on that bus from SWIC and you show up at the TACP schoolhouse. 
But after a little bit inside of those first couple of days, how how physically prepared did you feel coming out of Swick? Oh, coming out of Swick, uh, I'm telling you, if, if I didn't have Swick, I don't know if I would have made it through the initial part of the schoolhouse. Just uh, me personally, like I said, uh, kind of being out of the game for a little while and then coming back in, um, that kind of kick-started everything. And then also, like, did it, it's not just your, your, your workouts. It's not just your runs, your swims. It's uh, They focus on, like, mobility so like there were some days where we would after our workouts we had a mobility day we're stretching and we're rolling out and it taught you so much about the body obviously i had a little bit more knowledge than some of the guys but there was even things that i was learning um and then i mean we're doing a whole in body does your whole fat percentage so these guys are creating you know hey these guys are a little underweight put some more weight on them let's make them eat more you know or or this guy's a little overweight he needs to stop eating so much um but then i think the best thing was the sleep Dude, they track sleep like crazy. And like you get these nice beds, these nice pillows. You're even wearing these little rings that tracks your sleep, these wristbands that track your sleep, how you're how you're recovering and everything. And uh so yeah, whenever I left Swick going to the schoolhouse, um, it was like, hey, my body's healthy, I'm strong, I'm lean, I'm fast, I was in shape. Uh and um, yeah, they they really prepared us. Man, like best possible scenario. You go in there just belly full of fire. You know you're running fast. You know you're throwing good weight around. Man, that yep. had to feel really, really good showing up to that schoolhouse. Definitely. Yeah. So we show up. We get over to the TACP schoolhouse, and we're in it, right right into phase one, prepared as we possibly can be. We know uh, we know that there's going to be some heinous stuff coming, but we don't know, know quite what that is. I want you to talk a little bit about being an NCO. So I get this question a lot. I was also an NCO throughout my pipeline, and a lot of times I was the NCO I see in my team, which added a whole different challenge. You had those times behind you, right? Like I was an Air Force NCO that grew up and I hadn't been an NCO really for that long before I hit the pipeline. So I was figuring it out as I go, but you had a good amount of time behind you being an NCO and, and being a joint NCO on top of it. What were some big challenges just in those first couple of days um, about being an NCO on that team? So for our cross trainees listening out there, how, how tough was it for you to really focus on yourself, but at the same time, lead the team. It's great you make that point as far as focusing on yourself and then leading the team. Because uh, when I initially got there, my team started out, uh, we had like, I want to say 40 guys on the team starting out. Uh, we had one O straight out of the academy. And then we had three NCOs, uh, another our army guy. And then uh, we had a big blue O. Um, and um, so my thought process was, hey, the army guy has more time than I do. The uh, big blue O is more understanding a big blue than I am. So like, Hey, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut and help out where I can. That lasted all of two days. And then the contract <laughs> like, yo, you're NCOIC. Yep. So I was yep. just like, all right, well, you know, this is going to be a challenge because first off, this is me in a new environment. As far as new people, I'm not really used to uh, coexisting with. And like, how do I lead these guys when I don't even understand the air force as a whole my, myself. So, um, but I just, I reverted back to my, my training. What do I do? I'm, I want to lead people. So I want to lead by example first off. And then second off, like I just had to spend more time making sure I was squared away and uh, understand. And to be honest, uh, I wanted to make sure my O was squared away because I was like, how can we lead if we're all messed up as well? So uh, really what I did was uh, I just created that that uh, coordination between the other two NCOs and um, then also with my O. And we just took a lot of time as far as like uh, divvying out tasks. And, under, and that was one thing I think that it helped me a lot, too. Instead of trying to do it all myself, I could divvy out tasks and be like, hey, I need this done. I need this done. Hey, you, you go do this. And that helped a lot. 
at first I did get a little bit of a um, back push from a lot of the guys because they're like, hey, this guy's coming out telling us what are we doing, this, that, and the other. But sometimes in that chaos when you're in the pit, if you don't have one person speaking up saying, hey, we need this done, um, you don't really get anything accomplished. And then you're going to be there in the pits for a long time. So uh, that was really kind of a learning when to speak and when to kind of just, you know, listen. So that was kind of a challenge for me, but it ended up working out. Me and the O had a very good relationship and um, it was almost like he just, him being new, he was like, look, Hey, if you say that's what we need to do, I'm going to have your back. And I was like, well, that's fine, sir. But this is your team. So you make the decision, but I'm going to advise the best way I can. So. Man, kudos to you as an NCO. Cause that's exactly what you want. Like, let, let me be the first to tell you, and I'm going to quote master Sergeant, Justin Perrin, who's a good friend of mine, but it's called the air force and it ain't the air friends. And sometimes we need leaders to step up in those situations. And the NCO has to be the one to do it. So while the officer may be in command, you're in charge as the NCO. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you figured that out and that you use your prior, prior training to kind of get there as you were going through the academics. What surprised you the most about going through phase one? Because it is a lot of information and you even had, I guarantee you had some land nav in your background. You had some rucking in your background. You had some of those things or at least uh, an orientation to those things beforehand. So what surprised you the most about phase one when you were going through? Oh man, Schoolhouse was, uh, as far as academically, it, it surprised me as a whole. Uh, I wasn't really expecting it to be as challenging. I mean, I knew it was going to be pretty challenging, but I uh, just didn't understand it was going to be in that depth. And that's not to deter anybody away from it. But, uh, yeah, I did have the background. I was like, man, I was, a, I was a best warrior competitor in the Army. I was like, I've got background in, in rucking. I've got background in land nav. But uh, the land nav course you do at phase, at, at three level is is some kind of real. It, you have to really be paying attention, you know. And uh, it was cool because even myself as an uh, eight-year NCO, I was learning things. I was learning new tricks, how to do things. So uh, those guys they have down there are definitely the subject matter experts. Um, and if you just listen to them, it'll work out. Now, as far as like uh, radio stuff, I didn't really get a lot of time with radios in the army. Cause like, again, Intel, I was behind a screen, yep. but, uh, learned a lot of cool stuff, how to troubleshoot those and how to make those work and how to uh, deal with all those gremlins. So, um, yeah, uh, with that. And then, um, I'm guessing as far as like, uh, paperwork tests, cause we had a couple paperwork tests on just like, uh, subject matter stuff. The best thing with that was just make study groups. That's all we did was study group, study group, study group, and flashcards and just, just quiz each other. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that culture is important to establish, right? Like, hey, we may have to train during this part of the duty day, but it's even more important to get together afterwards. Hey, we're going to get together and we're going to roll out. We're going to focus on this mobility. Hey, we're going to get to roll, you know, get together and we're going to study tonight, or we're going to get together and we're going to go over gear or procedures or stuff like that. How much time did you find yourself spending after the duty day? taking in stuff from that day and then getting ready for the next day tomorrow. Oh man. Uh, well really don't really get academically hard until like, uh, I guess like what they call block three at the schoolhouse. So the first two blocks is mostly just all your physical stuff. And then it's mostly just your gear. And that is the thing you're, you'll spend the most time on at the schoolhouse is, uh, we're done by like 1700 every day probably. And as far as being done, done back in your room, showered and cleaned up and like getting ready for bed, you're probably not there until, another what 1900 you're, you're probably pushing another four hours of like now i got to get my gear ready i've got to make sure all the boys got their gear ready make sure we're squared away for this make sure we got everybody's rucks look the same everybody's carrying the same thing um make sure we all understand like even before the pits start we're spending uh, a solid week on making sure all of our gear look the same everybody's uh 
gear we understand how to line it up because it's always attention to detail so that we did spend a lot of time with attention to detail but uh it definitely pays off and you understand that more the further you get along in the training because like when you get into your training when you're out here in phase two you start realizing hey the smallest details can make a big difference a huge difference right one one grid coordinate like you're you're a jtac or you're about to be really really close to now like how how big can one grid coordinate mess everything up it's a big oh, deal, right i'm going to call myself out a little bit on that one but the other day i was in my last sim and uh we do a little thing to kind of keep our friendly grids away from our enemy grids, uh, put the friendly grids on the left side, enemy grids on the right side. And uh, there was a lot of stuff going on and I got a little too quick uh, to the gun and I called out an enemy grid, which was supposed to be on a friendly grid. And then I had to check myself, you know, and that was, that's kind of a checks and balances we have. We check all of our stuff real quick. And I was like, Hey, uh, correction, stand by one. I got to give you the right grid. I gave you the wrong one. So just a, and it was only like two numbers off. So, I mean, that was a big, big, I mean, small, small detail, but it was like a big, big change. Yeah. And we get students and, and people that are getting ready to go in the pipeline. They're like, why does this matter? Why, why does marking my gear the exact same as my buddy matter? Why does all this matter? I'll tell you what, it matters more than you would know, you know, being uniform, having your, having your ruck set up in a uniform way so that if your buddy needs to get in your ruck, everything's in the same pocket. They can just reach in without thinking and, and grab it because it's exactly like theirs. So, man, that's a, that's a great way to, to drive that point home. You've mentioned it a couple of times. I don't want you to give away too much information. You don't have to say what's going on in there, but tell me about the pits. Oh man, the pits are, uh, the, to me, the pits were fun. The pits are, uh, the pits are great. You're going to go out there. Uh, obviously we have a standard workout that we usually do. It's called the OEX. Um, and, um, you guys would definitely get familiar with that. However, um, that can kind of get a little stagnant, kind of old as far as the cadres mind frame. Cause they do this all day, every day. So, uh, they get real creative. Um, the main thing is like, uh, the pits are just a big square area, kind of like a, I would say like a half a football field area. Um, and you have big podiums on um, all four sides of the, the square. That's usually where you would line up. We get our, our whole uh, squad out there. Everybody's lined up and um, they are down to the details. So you will be squared away, dressed right dress at attention when they walk up. And of course, we get the greeting of the day, all this good stuff. And you count off. And um, like it goes all the way down to the detail. If one guy misses the count. All right. Now, now, not only are you dropping and doing a workout. Now you're going to do 90 seconds around the pits and yep. uh, you have to go out the pit door all the way around the pits and back. And if you don't make it now, you're going to do something next, you know, and it just keeps going. And the main thing about that for me that got through it was like, as soon as the sun comes up, I know I got 30 minutes left, you know, <laughs> when the sun yeah. comes up, 30 minutes left. So keep just now we're talking, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep enjoying it. And, uh, honestly, I just wanted to be as loud as possible for the guy next to me. And I was like, Hey, if, if I know he's hurting, so I know I'm hurting, but if he's hurting, I can push it through as well, you know? Yeah, and you share something with every single other Air Force operator out there, and it's watching your teammates screw up the count off, and you're just like, how, guys? Yeah. How did we screw this up? My favorite of all time, we're sitting on the pool deck, we were already having a bad day, and the instructor said, hey, count off by twos, and the first guy goes, two, sergeant, and I just distinctly remember looking to my right where my officer was, and I was like, you know, sir... I don't think today is going to go very well. And oh yeah, sure enough. Yeah, off that, to the races. That started for us at Swick. Hey, we're all lined up, and that's just, like again, as techies, we don't like the water, but count off yeah. as twos, and you mess it up, and they're like, "All right, ten ups, here we go." And I'm like, "I don't here we like go. ten ups. I don't know what that is." But yeah. <laughs> how does this help me be a JTAC? Um, there, there were always moments for me, especially when I went back through as an NCO, where I would just look around and I would be like, hey, you know, I had a, a pretty comfy job. I was established at my job beforehand. And there's always this feeling 
where I would look around and there was just chaos. There's people getting dropped and there's exercises going on and I'm just absolutely smoked. Did you ever just look around and go, what am I doing? I, I can't really figure it out, but this is the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, there was times, uh, at first it's kind of shell shock, obviously, you know, the first, the first week is you're just like, you're, you're almost like a robot. You just want to go through the motions and do the right thing. You don't want to spotlight yourself. But then as far as it, it keeps going further, yeah, your focus kind of does open up and you're not so tunnel vision. Yeah. You start seeing. And it, for me, I was just, some of the mistakes that the young guys were making. I was just like, why, what is going on? Like, why are they doing that? <laughs> why can't this guy count? You know, or like yeah. this guy figure out that we put the E tool on the right side of the rucksack instead of the left <laughs> side. Like I just talked to him yesterday about it, but yeah. it, I had to understand that, Hey, I can't, I can't get mad at that guy. That's his process. He's got to go through it. You know, he's got to learn. And if, and if me doing pushups beside him doing pushups is him learning, Hey, that's the best thing I can do. So yeah, there was a lot of times where I was just like, man, what am I doing in this position? But you know what? Hey, I'm here. I might as well enjoy it while I'm here and uh, push through and we'll talk about it tomorrow. You know, can't get out of it, baby. Might yeah. as well get into it. Exactly. You know I mean, might as well take a smile on your face and continue on. So you brought up an interesting point that I kind of want to dive into is you start talking about, you know, the first couple of weeks, everybody, everybody, whether they like it or not, they're putting on a face, right? Whether it's a professional face or whether they're trying to kind of hide it. But then as, as people start to relax and you start to get used to the team and the instructors do it, by the way, too. Like, let me open up this curtain. Instructors are, we're always playing a role, right? Like we're yeah. always in that instructor role. And then when you get more comfortable with the team, you let the team in a little bit and there's a little bit more give and take. But as those, as those walls started to come down on the team, there's always those inner team personality issues that you have to work through. And those, cause it takes all types, you know, I guarantee on your teams, you had a million different personalities from a million different walks of life. So how did you manage all of those things, all of those interpersonal issues to get the team to work together effectively? Uh, for me, I kind of took a little different route. Um, I guess you could say. So uh, when we were doing something as far as like pits or like Cadre were giving us a task to do, my policy for the team was like, look, I if you got a good idea and it makes sense, shoot it to me. If it don't, hold on to it and we'll talk about it later. But whenever we're out here and the Cadre is like, hey, we got three minutes to do this. All I really want you to do is listen to what I'm telling you to do and then move your feet. So if if that may not be the right answer, I may be wrong in that. You know, if I may pick the wrong uh, decision to go for that. But, hey, let's what? Guess what? We're going to do something. We're going to get it done. And then later on, come to my door and, and my room later on at night. Hey, sorry, why did you do this? Let's talk about this. Hey, maybe if you would have thought about this and I'm going to try to take that in and soak it in and have that open door policy with all the guys on the team. So I felt I felt like that kind of created a. a a camaraderie is saying like, okay, Hey, sorry, I'm going to try to lead us as, as best as possible, but obviously understand that he may make mistakes, but we're going to talk about him and, he, and he's going to try to get better for it. You know? So that, that kind of helped me as far as the curtains coming down on all the guys. Cause uh, at first it was just, everybody's like locked up, locked tight, trying not to, to mess up. But then you start developing those personal relationships and they realize, Hey, uh, after the duty day, we can talk just like human beings. We don't have to do this whole military, you know, dress right, dress thing. It's just like, let's talk like friends. Let's, let's understand each other and let's, let's build that camaraderie. Yeah. Cause those are going to be your best friends from now until you retire and even way further on after that, those bonds that you forge in adversity. And especially when you're going through the pipeline, those things are going to be there forever. That shared experience with everybody that's ever been at Chapman Annex, whether they graduated or not, whether they became an operator or not stayed in for a career or got out after one assignment those things are not going to go anywhere. That shared experience is important. It's part of our culture. So that's that's where you start forging those bonds of adversity. 
is you got through block one, block two, block three. I, I, there's four blocks in the first phase. Correct. If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, I think they just went to a fifth block. But uh, okay. yeah, so whenever I went through, it was four blocks at, uh, at the three level. And then you went to uh, two different phases at FTU. Okay. So we got through that first block or the, the first real phase, right? What was it like knowing that you got through that first step? Uh, it's funny because, uh, like, you know, obviously you get the you get the beret at the end of the pipeline, at the end of the uh, three level. You know, with technical apprenticeship course, you get the beret. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's everybody's walking around. You know, everybody feels feels great. They feel a little can't calm. help but feel good, baby. Like anybody that says, oh, we, we sometimes we'll ask people. And they'll be like, oh, well, I knew I had work to do. And you know what? <laughs> Shut up, man. Yeah, I, like, beret on. I wore a beret in the army because that was our standard yeah. here. But let me tell you, when I got this beret, it meant a whole lot more to us, you know. And uh, when we we all get to don those berets for the first time. We get our berets at the end of our block four field. Um, it Just knowing that, hey, even though that crap sucked. You know, you didn't really want to do it again, but hey, it was worth it. You know, so you get that beret and um, you feel great. But at the same time, make no mistake, those cadre are going to let you know, hey, look, feel good today. But tomorrow she better show up to work because there's more to do. You may be a tech pig, but guess what? You're not a JTAC yet. You know, you may Amen, be a JTAC today, but guess what? You're not a JTAC. I. You know, you always got to keep working. So the rent is due every day for that beret, my friend. And That's good right. on your instructors for letting you have it. I, I've heard some instructor friends of mine, you know, say, you know, they'll, they'll almost take the wind out of the sails of the students on that day. It's good that they gave you that permission to say, hey, feel good today. Have your moment. Go ahead. But like tomorrow, let's go. Let's go back to work. What was the next step for you? So we graduated the, the apprentice course and we're ready to go to the FTU phase one and phase two. So Phase one, you got out of the apprentice course. What does that phase one look like? So uh, we actually get out of the apprenticeship course. And the way that our pipeline went from there was uh, we went to uh, Airborne and then Sear. So uh, we actually, uh, I think we actually had one of the biggest classes ever go to Airborne together as a whole. So I graduated with 30 people from my uh, uh, B apprenticeship course, which was, I think, the biggest class we ever had. Um, but that was awesome to have those 30 guys. And I think out of those 30 guys just now, I'm still with like 25 of them, which is incredible. Oh, that's awesome. So I we, got to, getting, yeah. we got to go through all of the whole thing together, which was awesome. Um, but anyway, so we go, we go to um, airborne is like, it's like 23 of us. We go to airborne together and um, we're, we're super excited about it, but we also get our first taste. All the rest of the boys get their first taste of a uh, true army school. I was going to say, you're, you're back at home. Everybody else is trying to figure it out. You're like Bane and Batman. Well, see, that's like, the thing. I, I was born into this. You guys are just like, house, I'm telling you guys, I'm like, Hey, just wait till you get there. You're going to figure it out. You're <laughs> going to see why I am the way I am. You know? And then we get yeah. there and they come up to me and they're like, Hey, Sergeant. Uh, so yeah, I know why you are the way you are. These Joes, <laughs> These man. Jo- man, they're different. And I'm like, hey, man, every Joe has his spot. But, yeah, you definitely understand that the, the, uh, there's different levels to it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah you cannot we, trust Joe. I'll we, tell you what. You do not trust a Joe. Joe is not allowed to have a lighter. If you give Joe two steel balls and you leave him alone for long enough, one's going to be lost and he's going to find a way to break the other one. Joe yeah. is not to be trusted. So it's, it's funny. Of course, we go there and, of course, half the Army doesn't even know who we are or what we do. Um, and then we, of course, some of us play games with them. We tell them we're just, we're just here for the party. We're tech B party, you know, but at the same time, um, we also kind of, we, we always want to be like, Hey, where's the Rangers? We want to hang out with the Rangers. And then the Rangers are like, Hey, where's the tech bees? So we yeah. link up do our thing and hang out. But, uh, the cadre were definitely, uh, very, very cool with us. They knew we were here to get some, you know, so during the workouts, obviously it airborne's not what it used to be as far as like physicality. 
Um, it, ne- it never was my guy. Let me tell yeah. you from a guy that went, I went through as a regular air force dude back in, I don't know, 2000, 2004, 2005 or something, 2003 or 2004. I'll tell you like the workouts there newsflash, everybody, man, the army teaches you how to fall out of a plane. The army has been teaching trucks how to fall out of a plane since 1945. Like it's really not that big of a deal. The, so the workouts you, there are not going to cool. kill you. You could have definitely learned how to do this in a week and they stretched it to three weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Five days worth of training packed into three weeks worth of time. But we had a good time, man. We stuck together and we had a good group of boys. And of course, like our whole background at this point is like how to work out. Like all we did was work out and get smoked. So we enjoyed it. We we learned to embrace that suck. So yeah, during workouts when we're doing like the, 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 uh, they're, I guess they're doing the, uh, what do you call it? The, the bend and reach. They're doing all these exercises oh, yeah. in the, and we're oh, just yeah. like, can we go pick up those logs over there and do stuff yeah. with it? Yeah, a lot PT. It's like one day. You wish it was every single day for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we yeah. we enjoyed that. That was fun. Um, actually, jumping for the first time was uh pretty fun. A lot of the guys, some of the guys had some uh some stage fright, but we made them through it. We got them through it, and it was it was definitely an experience. Uh, nobody got hurt. Obviously, we, we got all Good. three our all three of our guys through, and then yeah, from there, I literally got on a plane. Um, I want to say it was like two days later after I graduated, and we. <laughs> straight to Sears school in Washington. So nice. When, when did you go through Sears school? Like what, what part of the year? Oh, summer. I got June. It was awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. Gorgeous. It's I, the best time up in here, Washington. I'd never been to the West, uh, the, yeah, the West coast before never been to Washington. So, um, I actually got a chance to get out there a week before my uh, training started. So I'm just out there hanging out on, on orders. And, uh, and they set me up at the hotel there and the, and the couple me and a couple of other NCOs, we rented a car and we were like, we're going to go hiking. Go explore a little bit. Get it. So it was Good on you. Getting to see all that. And then Sear was definitely uh, an experience in itself. I enjoyed it. You know, being being from the South, like the woods, the outdoors, that's where I enjoy being anyway. So it was definitely a fun experience for me. Sear was one of my favorite courses, to be honest with you. I got out of Sear and I never felt more American. I never felt more proud to, you know, be of service and to be in service. So that's, that's super awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. And for those that are listening out there and, and, you know, we're talking about being able to take time in the pipeline. It's another question we get all the time. Oh, was it just training back to back to back? No, if you do it right, you can still pursue hobbies. You can still go out and do these things that kind of fill that, fill that battery up or fill that cup up while uh while you're in between schools so good on you guys for for getting together and finding those opportunities man good on you That's oh, yeah. and that goes through the house uh, like so i treated it like i had prior prior college time so like i treated it just like college but in the military aspect so monday through friday hey i'm working i'm getting it you know and then uh friday night and saturday we're going to decompress and recharge sunday it's like come home get all your gear ready study and get ready for the week you know Man, you get my stamp of approval. That's the way I like to get after it. So we get done with Sear, and then uh, unfortunately, you have to leave the beautiful state of Washington in the best possible time of the year, and we're headed back towards Texas. So yeah, we get back. Uh, we get back down here. What was the next step for you? Uh, so we get back to Texas, and um, um, they just stood up the new program a, a little while back called the FTU, and um, d- two different phases. The first week, uh, the first phase is sixteen weeks. And um, it's pretty much uh, it's at uh, Bullis, Camp Bullis, and uh, yeah, north side of San Antonio. So, if you guys haven't been familiar with Bullis, it's more hills in Texas than I thought. You know, I yeah, definitely didn't. Know that. You get to that, yeah, you get yeah. to that north end of San Antonio, and you're like, holy crap, there's actually hills up here. I, I could have used these in the land nav portion, but they were nowhere to be found. Actually, uh, that's the beginning of our uh, 
kind of JTAC sims and everything. So we start doing our sims, and but we're also at the same time doing our shoot, move, and communicate. I guess you would kind of the best uh, equivalent to it would pretty much be the Air Force's version of like a mini ranger school. So we have we had our uh, Green Beret guys there that were uh, tasked for us, and they were literally just giving us uh, you know battle movements, how to how to move in like a squad or a platoon, how to do uh, CQB, how to do. Um, you know, like mounted patrols and, and, and all this good stuff. That way we can, you know, integrate with our counterparts and learn that. So that was that was a cool experience. But that was kind of the first time we got treated as, I guess you, we call it, get treated like big boys. So we come out of the schoolhouse and um, now we're like, it's it's on us. Nobody's telling us, hey, you know, if you if you don't show up, now we're coming to find you and going to smoke you. It's no, hey, you're treated like a big boy, so your big boy rules. If you don't show up, we don't need you. So it's more on you and your team to kind of be like, hey, you know, grow up. This is your hot time. This is where you need to be. This is what you got to know by this time. It's on you now. Yeah, absolutely. And did, how, how was that? Because a lot of people have a real hard time making that transition. They're kind of like waiting for people to feed them information. But the way that we do that or the reason we do that is because nobody is going to give you that information in the real world, man. Like you, when you get onto a team, people are just going to assume like, hey, you're the JTAC. You got to show up, be on time be on target, be ready to go and be ready to train. So how, how did you, how did you keep the dudes focused during that? Cause it feels like it's, it's not as restrictive, but it's actually more restrictive because it's, it's on your person. It's on you individually yes. every single day. Somebody isn't just directing you to what to do. So how'd you keep the dudes focused? Man, I was very uh, fortunate. Uh, whenever I went to the FTU for phase one, um, I had a couple more O's that were uh, embedded in my team. So at this oh, point we had, good five O's on our team. And then I had a new, uh, actually, uh, a, a higher enlisted guy than I was and, um, his background, uh, really helped as well. So we all co kind of coexisted. Now, as far as us transitioning, uh, it was just another day for us. All of this got college. We've, we've got prior experience, but, um, as far as the younger guys, you really seen where it was like the younger guys sometimes are like, Hey, what am I supposed to do? You know? What, and, uh, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. What do I do with my hands? Like, Hey, where am I supposed to be at? Hey, what, what, what am I supposed to have? You know? So to me, that was a great, I think it was a great thing for them because they, that's kind of by design, you know, the schoolhouse, all you have to do is just turn into a robot and just do what they tell you to do and go. Now, when you get to phase one uh, of the FTU, you, you really get that chance to understand, Hey, look, you got to think for yourself. You know, you got to look, read, read through the lines, understand what you need and transition. You know, you, you're a big boy now. And that, that was cool. Cause I think they really needed that. Um, and that was awesome. Now, one thing I will say that helped us out a lot too, and this was just our team personally, and I'm thankful that we had this on our team, but, uh, us as the leadership on the team, we decided it was going to be a good idea for like every two to three weeks, we would have, uh, like an inner team peer reviews. So, um, we would, we would, uh, not necessarily strat each one of us, like, Hey, what, what your ranking is, but we would, uh, we would give every, everybody in the team. You know, we'd sit in our team room and then one person at a time goes to the podium and then uh, we'd give each person on the team 30 seconds, 30 seconds to tell this guy what he's doing good, what he's doing wrong, what he needs to fix, you know, and that right there opens a lot of eyes because obviously you don't want to hear the bad things about you, what you're doing. But did that change right. that changed our total mindset and that it changed us like, oh, hey, I didn't know that I had that problem. I didn't know that uh, me being a, a two minutes early was not actually being early. I'm kind of late because everybody else is 15 minutes early, you know, uh, me, me, me losing my gear kind of screwed everybody or something like that. So, uh, that really helped us out and kind of helped those younger guys too, uh, in the situation of transition from being told what to do all the time to now taking accountability of their own things. 
when people hear stuff like that, they assume that it's this thing where it's adversarial or you're doing it to be mean. I have found that when you have those open, honest communication amongst the team, like when you have those, we call them 360s on this side of the fence. But when you have those peer reviews or those 360 evals, I feel like it brings the team closer. I feel like you guys are able to look at each other and go, oh, man, I, I was screwing this up. Thanks for that input. Did, did you guys find that from those from those 360s? Definitely. I know myself personally, I really did, because in the, in the Army, we didn't really do that. I mean, you do your oh yeah reaction reviews and everything, but we didn't really do like a hate your personal peer review, but, uh, getting that, it, it was kind of hard for me at first. I didn't really like, you know, the, the negative feedback I was getting because I'm right, like, yeah. that's my personality. I'm more of a, like a yeah. personality. I don't like to be told that I'm wrong, obviously, but, uh, you and me both brother. It hurts. But, it hurts that ego to hear those things. It did. And, and I had a, I had a very good NCO on my team and he was like, Hey brother, look, you're squared away. As far as like an NCO, you're squared away is like, you're always like, pushing yourself. But there are things that you need to fix. And one of them is just being able to understand how to take that criticism and understand that we're not being rude to you. We're not being mean to you. Honestly, this negative feedback, we're, we're saying that because we want you to be better. So when I when I looked through it from th- those point of view, I was like, you know what? Hey, maybe he's right. And then once I started taking that feedback, man, the whole team, it was just like we grew, we grew quicker together. And we were by far one of the strongest teams that ever come through the whole FTU as a whole just because we had this. Yeah. Got it, man. That's awesome. And I guarantee the floor of your, I just hearing how you're describing it. I, I've, I wouldn't ever dare say that I've been a leader on those teams, but I've been a team member on those teams and you can feel the floor of the team raising. You can feel your professionalism go up. You can feel your performance go up. All of those things, you can feel that you, you, you're on the right direct, uh, trajectory to make those things happen. So comparatively from the apprentice course, now we're in FTU and, and we talked about the transition of, of what it was like from the apprentice course to, to the phase one. What was the most surprising thing that you saw in phase one, other than obviously being treated like you were an actual adult human? Mm, let's see. Uh, to me, it was the camaraderie of the team. Like, don't get me wrong. You're close at, at a schoolhouse because you're always with each other. But as far as like understanding each other, learning each other and learning each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses. So obviously you, you had those period values we were talking about, but we also learned where everybody has a strength. Everybody has a weakness. But um, we would develop team study sessions. Our team itself, we just wanted to have like a we'd go home and create sims for ourselves just to run it through. And, and for me, I was just like, man, that's that's an awesome thing because I don't see other teams doing that. And uh, we dang sure didn't do that in the schoolhouse schoolhouse. So when we right. got there, when we got here, it was like, yeah, we, we got to pass. And not only do I want to pass as an individual, but I want to bring all these teammates with me as well. So what do we do? We create team study sessions. We, I mean, I had buddies that were calling me like, Hey, you got 15 minutes to go through a nine line. I'm like, yeah, rip it, go, you know? And like, yeah. oh, we're ripping nine lines and it's the weekend, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at the bar and one of my buddies is like, give me a nine line through the phone. I'm like, yep. Cool. <laughs> Call I mean, go ahead. This yeah. might not be the best feedback because it's yeah. a little bit late, but yeah, go ahead yeah. send it, baby. Go for readbacks when able. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, just just developing that that team chemistry and being able to uh, each everybody wanted to be better. And that was what was so cool, because like everybody seen the kind of like not really seen the finish line, but they they already had the the beret. But now they're like, now I got to hold it. I got to get better every day. How do I get to that end stage? And the way to bring everybody that end stage the best way possible was just, hey, we always got to keep grinding, keep getting it and keep finding a new way to train and get better. Yeah. Was there any distinct end to phase uh, to phase one of the FTU? Like, was there a culmination event, or was there yeah. some sort of outbreak? And if so, just man, go into it. So the the final the final thing for us at phase one was the uh, the fourteen mile ruck, and uh, it, it's it 
It sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I mean, this comes from a guy that I've been rucking for almost 11 years. I, I enjoy rucking, okay. but I did not enjoy this one. Um, of course, I was battling a little bit of a, a pain. I had a little bit of uh, back strain stuff, but it's one of those things where you just push through it. You know, everybody's got the days where you're hurting, but you still got to roll through it because of the team. And um, But that culminating event was obviously uh, where we do a 14-mile ruck right before we go into a last week of field. And um, that 14-mile ruck is pretty much all over Camp Bullis. And you're, you're rucking, I want to say, just, just dry weight is like almost – just dry weight is like, I don't know, it's like 80 pounds. And it, it's, get it. It's, it's no doubt. You, and of course, you got all your water and all your other gear and all that good stuff too. But that was the thing. Once you got past that finish line and you've seen it, it was just like, all I have to do is make it through field. You know, all I have to do yeah. is make it through field. And it was one of those things where you just, you had a little bit of a weight taken off of you. But then it was just like, hey, one more sim, make it through field. And then I'm good to go to uh, strike phase, you know? Yeah. And that's what you got to do, man. It's sometimes it's, it's all you can do to get to lunch. Sometimes it's all you can do to get to that next, that next event. Sometimes it's all you can do to get to the next mile. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you found a way through it. How many, how many, uh, teammates did you graduate with out of phase one before you went to strike? So we are like 30. So did you lose anybody in that first phase? So, yeah. Um, I want to say on team in phase one, we started out with 24. Um, okay. A couple of the guys were like held back for some other reason as far as physicals or whatever happened. But uh, when we started phase one, we started with 24 people. Um, and then actually in block four, uh, uh, I, I say, yeah, block four of phase one at the FTU, we had one guy had like a family emergency in um, the okay. field. So uh, he had to kind of get washed back. So we graduated with 23 people, which was awesome, man. Because uh, uh, like you said, there was times where everybody – felt like i mean everybody always is like man why am i doing this this sucks you know oh, yeah you're in, when you're in that pain train and you're 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 like eight miles in and you know you just come over the hump of halfway you still got six miles left it's just like okay next mile i'll quit next mile i'll quit yep. next mile i'll quit and you just push through but uh being able to sit back and and, and finally get through that and then watch all the other boys get through as well because you at this point we've been together for almost two years you know so like they're they're brothers like you said so uh Seeing that happen and all 23 of us making it through and then coming to phase two, it was, it was an awesome experience. Yeah. And it's just, it, I, I hear so much of, you know, you always want to connect with somebody that you're talking to, right? I just hear so much of my, my own stories and the, my own feelings and not to make it about myself. Um, but I, I hear those reflections about what you're talking about, man. I, I just couldn't agree more. So you finally get it. You're getting, getting ready to go to strike phase. And, and now it's time. Now it's time for the very first experience of being a no kidding JTAC. You've, you've, trained up you're you're ready to go how did the start of strike phase go and and can you just kind of lay it out like pretend that i don't know what we're talking about because i don't because yeah. i'm stupid but stri strike phase is where so strike phase is out here in uh nellis air force base out in las vegas um so that in itself is a nutshell for me was an experience but uh yeah come we were from, we were talking before you got on you'd never been out to vegas huh yeah Never been to Vegas. Uh, again, small town. I graduated uh, with 22 people in my town or in my in my class. So yeah. coming here and seeing these big lights and these big big buildings was definitely an experience for me. But it was cool. I'm glad uh, that was paid for by the Air Force. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks, Uncle Sugar. Yeah. The Air Force always has their cool stuff in all cool, cool places, you know, not like the Army. Army, why do you want to go to Fort Hood? I don't know. But Fort Fort Leonard Wood. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. Fort Sill. What are we doing here? Why, why, what is out here? There's nothing here. So, yeah, we get through uh, – we get through phase one and uh, of course 
phase one, you start like very, very, very minimalistic JTAC stuff. So you're, you're doing your basic nine lines, your basic call for fires. And, um, that's just how to get ordnance on the ground. So you're doing that basic stuff and you're mostly just doing your, your soldier and ranger skills. You know, you're, you're running around gunning and, and stuff like that. When I got out here, the first two weeks was, um, uh, not going to lie, strike phase. It was like a water hose effect. Like they just hit you in the mouth with a water hose of information, but they do it in such a great way to where like, there's no way you're not going to understand it. And if you don't understand it, they're like, look, I don't care if it's past the duty day, you know, here's my phone number, hit me up. Guess what? On the weekend, hit me up. Let's do some extra training, you know, and that's the cadre coming to us. And we had never really felt that from cadre because, you know, obviously, like you said, the cadre had to have a certain persona going through the whole yeah. situation. But now it's kind of like, Hey, we, we know you're attack B. We know you're like on the backside about to finish out this JTAC. There's no more trying to attrit people. There's no more trying to weed out the, the, the week. It's like, Hey, we want to teach you. So, and that to me was awesome because these guys really care out here and they're really good at what they do. And um, yep. they have no problem putting in more effort and more time out of their day to teach you. So yeah, the first two weeks was water hose effect of information, um, mostly of the same stuff we've already went over, but just more in depth, teaching us more how to do it, um, how to read a whole con op, how to process that information, how to take everything out of a con op and, and apply it to our situation. Um, and, and start building our plan as a JTAC. How, how are we going to integrate these fires and these air power with the Army? What are we going to do? So uh, it was really awesome getting that. And then um, for us, it was kind of a little, a little different just because of the way we got air. But um, we went out to the FTX at week three. So we go out to uh, Fort Irwin, California, where mm -hmm. NTC is for all the Army guys. Um, we go out there. And we get our live air from Blue Air. It's just a company that, that flies these little planes and, they, and their previous pilots or anything like that. So they work with us through nine lines and we go through a whole FTX, um, which is awesome because it's like, hey, you have a you have a different mission every every other day. So you have a you have a mission one day and then you'll train up for the mission the next day as far as like you're planning and then you have a mission again. So it's like every other day you're doing a mission, which is awesome because in phase one, it was more like, hey, you may have a sim every two to three weeks. Here at phase two, you have a sim every other day, whether it be nice. whether it be at the FTX, whether it be out in the MOA or whether it be in the sim rooms itself. And I think that is what really just gave you more reps, more time of planning. And, and you're getting with your your guys on the team and you start bouncing ideas off of each other. And it's just like, man, I'm just so much so many brain cells being made right now, you know? Yeah, exactly. What was it like that first time on a radio where you were you were no kidding? the guy talking to an aircraft and you, did you feel like you made it? Like you could say yes, you could tell me yes. All right, so at first we get we get the PC9s, obviously, and they're just the training planes. So like, yeah, that sounds cool. That That's yeah. awesome. You're like, man, that's cool. But we actually got an opportunity the other day to go out to the live range out here and work with some A-10 bubbles. Let's go. So getting that first time and uh, getting to actually uh, give that cleared hot call and see those 30 mic mic rounds come off and hit a target that you nominated and, that that's a feeling where you're just like you you want to call mama and be like mama i think i made it you know yeah, yeah. man and, and good on you because you did man call them li like imagine how many people you'd have to talk to in the world you'd have to line everybody up in the world you have to go down the line and go have you ever called in live ordinance from aircraft have you ever called in live or and you got to do it and you got to do it next to some of your best friends under the watchful eye of instructors out of yeah. the strike phase, that had to be just an absolutely good feeling. It was awesome. I actually got to do it with the guy you mentioned earlier, uh, Master Parent. Uh, yeah, I get it. 
he was out there and what was funny was he had the birds come on first check on and everything and uh he was like hey guys we got some two thousand pounder bombers but i'm a, the bombs so i'm gonna drop them he dropped <laughs> 12 clicks away obviously he takes the cool ones but you know it, a matter of fact he should you know he he's the he's the yeah. so he takes them and and obviously us as brand new jtacs we're listening to this guy that is like weapon school called uh jtac and we're just he's like shit hot on the mic and you're just like you're it's like you're staring at at, at dad you're like this dude's great exactly you know yeah. so you're trying to pick up everything you can with your notepad out there and write it circle it. yep that sounds sexy i'll use that one next time you know yep and then all of a sudden a two thousand pound bomb goes off 12 kilometers away from you and you still feel the shock wave and you're like what just happened you know so <laughs> it, it's, it's a very cool experience and we all enjoyed that and it was it was very cool that um the uh, A-10 pilots gave us that opportunity, and the weapons school guys kind of got with the tech P guys here at uh, phase two, and they we all actually every one of our guys from our team got a chance to go out there to the knitter and drop a live ordinance from an A-10, which was awesome. Man, that is just the coolest thing on the face of the planet. I've said this a million times. Peaches and I talk about it. Being a PJ is cool. Doing medicine the first time that you actually feel like you stopped a human from dying. Like for us, that's a pretty big deal. The first time that you get a save, right? That's a pretty big deal. So that's what I connect with. But I've said it a million times. I, Peaches actually took me out. The first time that I ever dropped live ordinance, Peaches took me out in England. And I got to, to call in under his watchful eye and actually call ordinance. And the second that it went off, I looked at him and I said, hey, man. I know now why people want to be a combat controller. People want to be a JTAC. People want to be a, a TAC B. So that had to be an amazing feeling. And speaking of peaches, uh, I heard y'all, I heard he might've shown up for a workout with y'all out there. How'd that go? Oh man, it's great. So the, the workout, the workouts out here at phase two are phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. They're good at, at phase one of uh, FTU, but the coaches out here are really like, Hey, if you don't show up and put out, like there's no reason for you to be here. You know? And, and it's, it's an awesome thing because like the workouts they designed for you, you're going to, you're going to get it. Uh, we have our, our days where we do our strength training, but we also have our, uh, every Wednesday and every Friday, we know it's going to be the same workout. And Wednesday is what we call eight lanes of pain. And, uh, it's just a kind of a circuit training type thing. And then Friday we have a circuit training as well. So I think, I think Peaches might've showed up on a Wednesday or a Thursday and he was kind of doing his own thing. And then a couple of us NCOs was like, Hey, uh, Chief, why don't you show up on Friday for the good workout? And he was like, yeah. you have to pay me to get out here, you know? He's like, I'm getting too old. And I was like, nah, Peaches, you still got it. So Peaches shows up. Nice. He shows up on Friday, and it's like, hey, we know what it is. You know, we're already like three, four weeks into the uh, FTU. So at this time, we're already acclimated. We're we're getting it, you know. And it's one of those things where um, – so it's a circuit workout. We do a uh, 10 cows on the bike. You got 30 seconds to do it. You got a 30-second rest. And then um, there's also you got uh, 125 meters on the on the row, 125 meters on the ski erg, um, and then you also have I want to say it's like uh, eight burpees, and also you have to do 0.08 on the um, the treadmill in 30 seconds. So it's just a 30 second on, 30 second off, and you just rotate for five rounds, and uh, it, it's it's a burner. It's one of those things where like I uh, I tell you what, it was actually funny. We get through it and. Of course, everybody's watching Peaches because he's the new guy in our eyes. Of course, he's the new. No, of course, he's the new yep. to the exercise. He's got to show up, and hey, he's he's getting there. He's he's right there with us. He's sweating and he's getting it. And if you miss it, if you miss the time, like let's say I don't make the uh, the ten cows on the um, the bike in that thirty second, a lot of time you got to raise your hand. And now the coach is like one, two, oh. you know? and because you know you know every time you do a workout, you got to pay for the end of it. You know, everybody pay the man. 
So uh, I want to say Peaches was making pretty much all of them, and then uh, we got done with the fifth round, and I think my last thing was the um, the bike, I believe. And the bike to me was the hardest one. So I get done with my tin cows, and I'm breathing hard, and I'm laying down on my bike uh, on my back. Peaches comes by, you know, and with his little grin, and he's like, uh, "Hey, man, get up from there. Stop feeling sorry for yourself." And I was like, "Peaches, I'm not really feeling sorry for myself. I'm feeling sorry for you because I don't think you made that last round." <laughs> 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 he's like i hear you i hear you but <laughs> but oh man i love it no in his defense those are all those are all tall guy exercises rowers I, I, exercise assault bikes like those are tall guys and as you saw in real life peaches is only like three and a half he can't even ride roller coasters yeah right? yeah I, I will say that but hey i tell you what what uh what kind of all grew us some more respect for him too is like this guy we had we had to pay for pay up for something we had messed up on the as far as the workout like two days prior and it was a uh, get ups we had a 45 pound weight um get ups we all the way down to our back all the way back up and i think we had like close to 60 get ups with it and what's peaches do just like any other main SEO, he grabs a 45 pound plate and he hops in the circle and he does every one of them with us so to 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 us it was just like mad respect and it was really cool that Here's a guy that's not even in our career field. Yeah, obviously special warfare, but he's not even in our career field. Shows up, he shows up for the challenge and he just, he, he busted out, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And it, of course he did. I already knew how that story ended because I know who Peaches is as a person, man. You didn't even have to tell me. So that's awesome. And that brings us to the very last thing. So you're coming off of, you know, it's less than 24 hours. You you hit that very last thing, man, that very last thing. And that's how we open this, this bad boy up is, man, you got done, you got word that you passed. And all of this time, almost three years of your time, eight years before that in the army, all of this time has led up to this moment. How, how are you feeling right now after the end of this pipeline? Every day's Bulletproof Friday. It's awesome. You know, like, you, you, not going to lie, you get a little nervous going in that last sim, but then once you knock it out and you get through your debrief and your instructor's like, hey, check it out, man. You're, you're effective. You're good to go. Like sign here. And it's just, it's, it's definitely an awesome feeling. And then, um, not just for myself, you know, obviously you, you connect with these guys on your team. And the next thing you want to know is like, Hey, did, did such and such pass? Did he, did he pass? Yep. You know, some guy that may have been struggling, like, Hey, how's he doing? Hey, make sure he's good to go. So knowing everybody got through it, it's just, it's a wonderful feeling. It's nice. It's a weight lifted off. And it's kind of like, all right, now I get to rest a few days until I'm back at the unit. And then I'm, hit the ground running again. Then it's congratulations. You're back at the bottom of the totem pole and you're the new yeah. guy on team. So everybody shakes your hand. It. Then they're like, all right, get to the back. Go get ready. Go grab. Go, yeah. Go, go take the trash out nerd. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, all right, man. So we ask everybody that's come on, you know, we ask them kind of the same question and, and we talked about it beforehand as we were texting back and forth as you were getting ready. What advice would you have for somebody that that wants to come in this uh, in this crazy thing that we call AFSPEC war? What what would you tell that prospective person if they were like, "Hey, man, I'm thinking about trying to become a TACP. I'm not really that sure of it." What would you tell that person? Uh, first and foremost, I would say be sure about it. Uh, so be sure about it, and if if you're not up for the challenge, if you don't like to be challenged, uh, this career field is not for you. But that's not to deter you. But uh, I would say understand your why, know your why, uh, know what pushes you. For me, I've got three beautiful children. And uh, so when things got hard, I was just like, hey, daddy can't quit now. I got to be a good example. You know, like I got to keep pushing. I don't want to go home after being away for this long empty handed, you know, because now I can't justify why I've been gone. Um, and then um, have goals, push yourself. But I think the the best thing that helped me was 
I found a teammate that I was really, really close to in the pipeline. Um, and he challenged me and, uh, that was just awesome for that. So, so like he was somebody that held me accountable. So on things that like, Hey, maybe I wanted to uh, like, you always get those curves sometimes. Maybe you're like, you're hurting today. Your, your, your back's hurting and you don't want to pick up that great, that crazy heavy ruck or something. Your buddy's like, Hey, I'm doing it. Pick it up. Let's go. You know? And that, that kind of leads into the next thing. When you have that, that buddy like that, that is really close to you. Not only can you not want to quit on yourself, you don't want to quit for him. So it's just have that partnership between them and just understand your why that would be the best advice. Man, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and for really laying out what it looks like in the in the TACP pipeline because you obviously have the most recent experience from all of us at Ones Ready. And to be honest with you, everybody inside ST, man, congratulations. You know, I know that I know that we I know that we give each other a bunch of crap all the time. And you know, we're always bagging on each other, you know, kind of inside of these circles. But people outside of the circle are gonna hear this. And, you know, from me to you, you know, I'm at the end of, of 20 years. You're at the very beginning of what's going to be a very successful career, man. Congratulations. You and your teammates have done something that less than 1% uh, of anybody can even say that they even tried, let alone succeeded. And so from us at the Ones Ready team and the larger enterprise, man, congratulations. Pass my uh, my congratulations on to the team. If you guys get ready to get those JTAG patches and get out to your unit. Um, I just want to say for everybody listening out there, thanks so much for following along and, and following the program. Check us out at onesready.com. See everything. We're on all podcast players and hit us up on the DMs. We're happy to do anything. My friend, if you need anything from us specifically, you got our numbers, you text us right away. But I want to say thanks for coming on and I appreciate you sitting down and, and laying this out, hopefully for the next generation of Air Force Special Operators. So thanks yeah. a bunch, man. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you guys having me and let me uh, kind of tell my story and uh, hopefully they help somebody else coming through the pipeline, man. I appreciate it. And I'll definitely let the boys know. Maybe you can come grab a workout with us before we leave. Don't you dare threaten me with a good time. You know I love them Vegas ops, man. All right. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. We'll see you next time.